0: This is Wednesday, September 14th. Who holds your family together? Is there a patriarch or a matriarch that fulfills that function? We've been learning about how God works through the generations to extend His grace and carry the message of the gospel forward in history. And as we read Scripture, we discover a culture and a people, well, they're very different than we are today. You see, in the ancient world, the elderly were valued for their wisdom and because they had sacrificed so much to help their families succeed. Now, Today we tend to value youth rather than age and experience. A philosophy professor at Boston College would ask his students this, if you were married and had a wife and young children and also your parents were living with you in your house, and one night you smelled smoke and you ran outside, and once outside you realized your house was on fire, who would you go in and rescue first? Now the students right away would call out, I get my wife and children first. Then the professor told them that in the ancient world, the man would first go in and get his father and mother, then his wife and child. Now this just didn't make sense to his students. Why would the man do that? Well, He would get his father because without his father he would not have a family. You see, the oldest were the anchors, the cornerstones, and the most respected members of the society. They held their families together. Children weren't valued until they had something to contribute. But you see, today, culturally, the tables are turned. The world belongs to the young. Older adults worry about being a burden to their children. They're, they're often left out of conversation, although they have so much wisdom to share. You see, part of understanding the place of the generations in the plan of God is recognizing that each generation has contributions to make. Each is valued by God. You see, at Granada, we have members today over 100 years old, and we have newborn babies and every age in between. So how can we learn from each other? How can we come to serve each other? How can we share in life together? Here's our scripture passage for today. Haggai, that's the Old Testament prophet, chapter 1, verse 2 to 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time is not yet come to build the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm and he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes." Oh, wow, what a message! Now, Haggai was one of the minor prophets serving God during a hopeful time in the land of Israel. After pe- the people had come back into the land from their exile in Babylon, the city of Jerusalem and the area around the city was in disrepair. The purple that- people that first returned built houses for themselves and got to the business of building new lives for themselves too. They needed to plant crops and harvest grain for food. They needed to bring wood into the city to keep warm and also to build homes for themselves. It was an immense enterprise, sort of like what it's like when a hurricane has brought total destruction. But here's what happened. After the people became reestablished, it became obvious what they had not done they hadn't rebuilt the temple. There was no place to go and worship the Lord. Yes, the people had built nice houses for themselves, but they did nothing to honor God and to reestablish the community of faith. And so God sent this prophet Haggai to challenge the people to do that. And he didn't just send Haggai, the Lord also sent another prophet named Zechariah. His little book is the one that follows the book of Haggai in the Bible. So why two prophets to the same people in the same place with the same situation? Doesn't that sound like overkill? But you see, God had a good reason. All the people were not the same at all. The older members of the community were from a time founded on duty and responsibility. They are ones who had actually seen the temple before it was destroyed. It was a splendid place, one they knew they couldn't reproduce. And as a result, they were reluctant to begin. Haggai is from their generation, and his message to them is simple, this is your duty, so just get it done. You've taken care of your own houses, now build a house for the Lord. But the other prophet Zechariah has a completely different message. His is from the generation of younger people, those that never had the chance to see the first temple. And they're not driven by duties, calls to duty. That message doesn't resonate with them at all. So instead the Lord gives Zechariah a vision of a man with a measuring line going around Jerusalem. And he's doing it in the future. And at that time the city is thriving and filled with people. You see, the younger generation isn't motivated by duty, but they are motivated by vision and what the future will hold. And so the Lord shaped the message that each generation needed to hear. Wow, how important is this? You see, each of the generations were needed to pull the project off, but they both saw the project in a different way. Now seeing how the Lord spoke to them, we remember God has a place for each generation today. Often our more mature members, the ones that have led for decades, become elders and share their wisdom with the church through their leadership. The older men and women disciple those younger, guiding them as their faith is maturing, and the younger men and women often push us forward with vision for the future and new ways to do ministry and serve in our city. Each generation takes its place in the life of the body of Christ. Now, In some ways, our older members today are like those from Haggai's time, feeling the call to duty and responsibility to support the work of ministry through their service and their giving. And for our younger generations, their imaginations are taken captive by the the vision of God, what God has planned for the future of our church and our city few years back two business leaders met in for lunch in London, Warren Bennis and Robert Thomas. During their short lunch they realized they shared a common interest. They wanted to know how business could benefit from joining together of the generations. They recognized that older business leaders had been through tough times and they knew how to get things done, and that younger leaders were visionary and actually, well, they thought more about the future and changing the world for good. They came to do a study and ultimately they wrote a book entitled Geeks and Geezers. <laughs> you got to love that title. And here's what they discovered: Geeks and Geezers need each other to be their best to meet current challenges and prepare for future opportunities. And I read that book and thought, why haven't we gotten this in the church? Why do we not see that we need each other? How can we overcome the generational challenges and come together to serve Christ? We have five generations here. What if we really came together? Let's pray. Ancient of days, you are the Lord of the generations. Teach us how to walk and serve together rather than strive against each other. Show us that we have a common cause in the gospel of Jesus. And teach us to live and serve together for your glory and your honor and